right, Matthew, welcome to episode eight of the Performance Advantage podcast with myself, Dr. Will O'Connor, yourself, Dr. Matt Miller, aka MTB, PhD, aka BPM Brake Power Meter. Welcome, Matt. How are you going? Yeah, I'm going good. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always good to a be pleasure. here again. Episode eight. That's crazy. Yeah, it just keeps wow. keeps on going. Like do them every week. You know, might end up with fifty two in a year. That would be a bit crazy. Yeah, actually, like we do have that reminder that pops up every week. <laughs> it's reoccurring, reoccurring meeting every yeah. Wednesday. We just yeah. do it. No question. We don't talk beforehand. Like uh, I know I'll be there. I know you'll be there. We just do it. Yeah, it is a bit crazy like that, eh? Um, yeah. so the the hot topic, I guess, um, or from your end, uh, would be a bit of a sneak peek, um, release of the the brake power meter. Yeah, yeah, I started showing some photos uh, online of the rig that I've been using. Uh, it's been pretty hush-hush, actually, for a really long time. And, really uh, long time, yeah. Yeah, really long time. Uh, many years, actually. We haven't talked much about it. Um, but yeah, we've been pumping out some data over the last couple of years, and yeah, I just started showing some some pictures of what it looks like. It's super tiny super easy to use and um yeah i was out on the trails with it this morning and yeah the data looks good yeah so just a quick quick overview um of what it does before we do the main podcast on the brake power meter release yeah we won't do that today but i can tell you a little bit about it yeah 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 yeah. i mean so we're we started measuring braking like five years ago and we realized the only way to measure like what you're not doing when you're pedaling or um, when you're not going up a hill on a mountain bike is that we have to measure where you're actually slowing down. Because if you want to get from A to B as fast as possible, you need to pedal hard and also brake appropriately. Yeah. So we invented the brake power meter, and it shows how hard you're braking, how much energy you're taking away, how it's affecting your speed, where you're doing it. And then we look for ways to intervene and train um, so that you can adopt a better braking strategy. It's just like, you know, pedaling. Yeah, and as far as I'm aware, this is the you were the the inventor of the world's first yeah. measurement device for this. Yeah, so there's been a lot of time spent on you know patents and the legal side of stuff over the last couple of years, and that that really slows down um, you know what we can do in the public eye because uh, of all the stuff you know going on behind the scenes. But um, yeah, yeah, we're pretty sorted there. Yeah. So that's awesome. I look forward to once um, you've cleaned up a bit more of the data, get that Bluetooth, get that Ant Plus, get yeah. it on my Garmin, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Really looking forward to it. I love it. So. Cool. Um, well, How was your mind, weekend? Yeah, it, mind. You, you've, you've been up to a lot, actually, since we last talked. I mean, you were sick. You were in the hospital. You know, we talked about maybe that was a bad move, but then you raced this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I raced the weekend, um, I was a bit apprehensive, I didn't know, like, because I was in the hospital, it was mainly dehydration that put me in there, um, due to a gastro bug, um, so after I got rehydrated and had a couple days off, I felt alright, you know, um, I didn't know how I'd go to push myself, um, but I'd entered the race and I was like, look, it's, it was in Rotorua, hometown, off-road, um, half marathon, I thought, well, if it doesn't go well, that's, it's no biggie to just cruise at home um but I'll, I'll see where i'm at and uh yeah i ended up winning the race um ran a 117 half marathon on on some pretty pretty good trails like pretty hilly course and there was uh, i was blown away actually <laughs> i was really surprised at how well um how far my training's come um so as you know like i've mentioned before this whole my whole sort of I guess New Year's resolution or whatever you want to call it has been to push myself beyond what I think I could do. Um, you know, uh, I thought like I was setting limits on myself last year. So what I was, and that's gone f- from training. Like sometimes I've been tired or I've avoided intervals or something because I'm like, oh, nah. I, you know, just that since I was so severely overtrained a few years ago, that sort of scared me. And uh, so now I'm gone. No, I'm going to do it. And I've really like, Last, I think this will be week 16. So for 15 weeks, I've averaged over 100 Ks a week, um, which for me running is is a pretty big step. Step forward in consistency. Uh, So that's not 
not that I'm running 100Ks every week. Like there was a couple, you know, a couple 130s in there, but then also like a couple 80s. But on average, um, that consistency has been there. Yeah, yeah. Been, and then coupled that with my harder workouts, um, which I've committed to, has uh, yeah really pushed me up um, quite a big jump in my my level of performance. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. That's that's what you want. Um, I wonder if that those couple of days of rest b- before the race did you well. Oh, they definitely did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now I'm in like, you know, I obviously smashed myself on the weekend um, and had come off of like being in hospital, I guess. Uh, so now I'm a bit tired, but you know, I've got, um, so the main race is the Rotorua Marathon, 4th of May, may the 4th be with you. Uh, and before Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> the, so we've got three and a half weeks now and, um, yeah, it's like, okay, well I'm tired, so I want to recover, but then I also need to keep training cause there's still a, a short, you know, I've probably got a week and a half, um, out to a couple weeks out to which I can still gain some fitness or at least continue um, to sustain or improve my aerobic capacity slightly. Uh, so, you know, you're in that that juggling period. Yeah, it's tough to know what to do because, like, uh, you know, you're about to taper, right? So coming into a taper, like, that's going to be probably the most tired you, you are kind of all season because you are, like, you're taking away training to bring your fitness up to – a higher level than it's been so you know if you start to taper and you don't kind of get on the verge of overtraining you're just kind of losing fitness so you it's about finding that fine line in those several weeks before and you're probably finally on the line yeah and it's yeah it's hard one because you want to you don't want to overdo it you know like and that's part of like peaking are you know you're trying to push yourself all the way to the edge and then bring yourself right back, and it's like, yes, I'm on. But then if you've done that a little early, um, you're like, well, now how do I make sure I'm still training without trying to like recover into a taper? Yeah. Then you're then you're just sort of, um, I don't know, in some sort of four week recovery taper situation, and not that that's a like you know going to result in the worst ever race. It's just like not going to put you in the best state. Yeah, I think actually those can be pretty good if you keep up like some really high intensity within it. It's like kind of like a big racing block and you can do that for four or five more weeks, you know, um, after like some big training. But um, yeah, some uh, not everyone's confident doing that. And, it, you know, sometimes if you don't have a high enough level of training coming into that really long taper, um, you're definitely bound to lose a bit for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's where I'm at. Like, I've got another race this weekend and then a, a, a hard hit out, another half marathon this weekend, um, another hard hit out um, on the Rotorua Marathon course the weekend after, which is two weeks out. And then, um, you know, then we've got about 10 days or so. Uh, so, yeah, it is like, am I, I'm sort of in that mind of, okay, should I just, should I push on for a bit more fitness, depending, you know, am I tired, too tired or... Is it now my race block where I'm concentrated on, you know, just hitting, you know, getting the most out of those hard sessions? Um, where because like in the race in the weekend, it was good. It was you know that feeling you you're really 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 fit, but you couldn't wreck yourself. You know you're just a bit off to to really go beyond. Um, uh, so just because you weren't you know you weren't in that state of mind or you weren't you're carrying a bit of fatigue into it, so that was good. Um, but yeah, now it's, now it's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is tough, you know, especially for a self-coached coach to, um, take a step, like, cause you know how you feel. Whereas when you're working with an athlete, you, you empathize with how they feel, but, um, it's not your legs or your, you waking up in the morning. So when you're coaching yourself, you really need to like, look at yourself subjectively instead of you know, just as you would one of your other athletes. And that's, that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. What I, what I find really good is my old, is my training diary. Um, so going back before races I've done really well at and just reading, it's like you read these, I, I write reasonably descriptive ones leading into races more so, 
and it's that same reoccurring like self-doubt of like you know have i done enough am i doing enough am i overtrained um all of that kind of thing um and yeah and so what we wanted to get into i really that leads into it is like is coaching and and the i guess the relationship and the pressures and things that uh and the different styles um, and levels of coaching um, you can get out there. Uh, me being self-coached, and I've always been self-coached. Like I've had people, obviously, like a swimming coach, but not someone who's who's uh, an all-encompassing overseer. Um, I just haven't found someone. I love self-experimenting, and I think it helps a lot for uh, like what we do as as coaches um, and. Yeah, I, I've spoken with a lot of coaches and things about different approaches and protocols, but I just, uh, I don't know, I don't know why <laughs> I couldn't, can't, I'm not sure I can just give up that control. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I think a lot of times coaching, like in the sense that we think of it, isn't for everyone, and uh, but that doesn't mean a coach can't help them. And if I look back, like I was really glad to be in control of myself and if I just wanted to go out and have some fun um, I could just go out and have some fun but if I re if I actually had a coach like kind of giving me guidance along the way even if it was like um, just just someone telling me not to do so many intervals or like uh, <laughs> you know not yeah or something or to recover after a race or j just not to like eat a donut um, before a race or something, um, I think, you know, things could have ended up a little bit different. Um, and, you know, that's not a really a good feeling to look back and, like, wish I had someone helping me along the way. Um, and there's so many coaches out there that to get someone to help you out along the way is an easy thing to do, and you can get it at so many different levels based on what you actually want. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, I started the sport with a reasonable level of, um, I guess, knowledge and uh, from from my research studies and things, um, especially when I really started getting into it. Um, I had the guidance of, you know, uh, Professor Steve Stannard when I, when I was really starting to get beyond, like, the just general age group kind of um, competitive stuff. Uh, and I was just a, a sponge for information from text, um, like I just, I got every book out from the messy library I could find on running triathlon and everything. Um, so I was quite, quite happy to do that because when I did, I did approach some coaches and talk to them, but I couldn't find the level of information I wanted, um, beyond. And so, yeah, when we talk about coaching, there's different, there's, there's different levels, um, of what you want and, there's different points in which you you should get coaching and which you know you might not um so matt like you were talking about being new to the sport um personally like i i was the same as you i was um you know for that first year or maybe even two years i was scared to go to club events um and i was scared to like approach a coach or someone because i thought you know i wasn't good enough and I couldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to meet their expectations and things. Uh, so I just sort of like the first year I just trained by myself, um, and just like avoided, you know, being exposed, I guess, as like a, a newbie fraud. Um, but then, but then, yeah, once I, once I finally like went into the, the, so it was the Canterbury Triathlon Club, uh, at the time. And I was like, wow, they're so welcoming and had so much information. I really wish I, I knew, I knew all of that, you know. So in first instance, I think you just need to find a group or something. Yeah, and like that 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 goes for anything really. Like I think about my other um, kind of activity, which is fly fishing, right? <laughs> and um, the amount of time I spent just making like dumb mistakes and getting nowhere like I could have just joined like a local club and at least had like some level of advice and you know wasted a bit less time yeah. just like sharpen the learning curve so you know the same goes for sport as well like um 
I was a few years into rotting before I actually realized like there was a thing called like hill repeats or that, you know, you could like get up and go for a long ride and not be totally smashed. Um, yeah. Whereas like, you know, if I joined some or like, you know, before I learned you don't go hard every day or something like that. And, uh, you know, if I just had joined like up with some people that actually knew, um, at least I would have gotten some reasonably good information. And then as you move along, you start to pick up more and better information. And then, um, yeah, and then the same goes for coaching. Like, they can just help you with that learning curve. Yeah, you don't, um, like, in the first instance, I'd say, have a look at recommendations. You know, who are your friends with? Who are other people you know with? Ask some people. Jump on, you know, Google or Facebook or whatever. And uh, if you're just new to the sport and someone's been around the game for a long time, uh, then whether they're really good or really bad, they're at least going to know all the basics. You know, like what tire pressure you should run and like just generally what kind of gear you're going to need, um, what's going to chafe, <laughs> like all of that kind of stuff, what, what maybe they might know what to eat before and after and, and things, just all of that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you're going to need, you don't need to take your camel back, there's drink stations, like that kind of stuff um, is going to be really, really helpful. Um and so then there's also like just a general one-off kind of consultation. Um, so, well, I'll, I'll talk through about what I offer, Matt. It's similar to you. So I sort of have these, I've just released like um, the, the Performance Advantage online platform, which uh, you're a part of, Matthew. Yeah, um, so it's good. It's good. And so, and this is, I mean, yeah, it's a bit of uh, promotion for myself, but what I c wanted to create was, I had all of these questions I kept getting asked um, and things that you and I would consider reasonably basic. Um, the, the, and that made me realize, well, the level of understanding um, below like a you know, PhD level sports scientist or elite athlete um, is it's not like the information isn't there or it's there with a whole bunch of noise, low carb, vegan, fasted training, breakfast, carbs, nutrition hydration electrolytes like all of this noise is like well what do they all mean and how does it so i created this platform in which you you know it's all of this information as well as you know live q and a's with myself and presentations and things and training plans are all there um for like a low fee 45 dollars kiwi a month um and you can get into it and just generally start somewhere you know low price point you can get in you can get your questions and then if it's not for you, you like, you know, you love just experimenting by yourself. You can make your own training plan within it, but it's at least that first step, I think, to like a community. And other coaches do it as well. Like, if there may be some in your region. Um, and then beyond that, I, um, you know, because when I first started, I'll just tell you how this came about, right? Because when I first started, I was like, I'm just going to do a coach. I'll just be a coach. I'll just get athletes on a monthly reoccurring, you know, fee and, and coach them. And then what I realized is people like when I entered the sport, weren't ready for coaching. Um, they also were apprehensive about a large commitment. Um, you know, an ongoing fee, is that forever? Is it can, how do I cancel? That's an awkward relationship. That's an awkward thing to say. Um, and so then I started doing just one off consultations, which you can do one off or reoccurring. And that was great. That's a great way I found people were uh, happy to come and talk to you. You know, it's it's a lot lower price point. It's a one-off fee and people get all the information they want and they can run away with it and sort of, you know, doctor it up or do what, you know, like use it how they want. Um, and then maybe come back and say, actually, I need some more ongoing input or I only need to talk to you once every 10 weeks um, with this training plan you've given me. And then there's the ongoing coaching for those people who are like really needing a more consistent feedback, um, analyzing the data that they're putting out, um, manipulating training based off of work, life balances, race, um, you know, just general tracking. And so that's, um, those are sort of the three levels I have. Um, and yeah, there's also just training plans, uh, which I know you, you do quite um, intensively. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. Like, I think first off, like, the, the internet's a really good place to find a lot of bad information. So, like, 
all this bad information is disguised as like information that sounds right. And the reason people have written that stuff is because it sounds right and it kind of makes sense if you think about it. And then, uh, you know, that that's okay. Like we talked about up to a certain level. But, um, you know, the digger, the deeper you dig, um, the more you kind of find out that uh, that information might not be totally accurate and you might start, you know, making some some bad calls based on mixed slash bad information, you know, without kind of seeing the whole picture. And in my in my opinion, that's where a coach kind of steps in and kind of directs um, directs you to this usable um, and good information that's gonna kind of work for you. So yeah, I, I do it in you know a couple different levels as well, where I have a training plan, and that's something that someone doesn't have to talk to me ever. They can kind of just get it on the internet um, and then train. And you know, um, if they like it, we can talk and we can maybe do some more. If they don't like it, um, well, they can let me know, and I can uh, make it better for the next person. But like a yeah. training plan is easy. You don't need to to deal with a coach, but you get like the actual structure and guidance that a coach would give to one of their athletes. Yeah, and right? uh, I know with your ones, it's not just you know sixty minute ride. You have a bit more information built into that. Yeah, what I like to do is tell people why they're doing something, like because. You know, um, an easy hour and a half uh, road ride, you know, before breakfast. Uh, why? Why am I doing this? You know, yeah. so give a, give the, the athlete a bit more information and kind of talk about how it fits in the overall kind of plan and the goals of what that plan is trying to do. Um, so at the next level where it's direct coaching, where I'm working directly with an athlete, um, they get that that kind of training plan and they get it fully customized for their goals so we sit down and we talk well it's usually on the phone because most of my athletes are abroad or um you know and somewhere around the world and yep. we, we talk on the phone and we say what are your goals um and then i help them kind of pinpoint measurable goals and we set those and build a training plan around that and then we catch up periodically to kind of talk about how things are going and within that, you get, like, added information, like uh, maybe race strategy and, like, fueling kind of things. Um, yeah. But what I think goes really good, like you, is uh, the consultations. And that is something that often athletes will get a training plan and they'll kind of do it themselves. And then they're ready to take it to the next level and they have this background information. And it's just good to kind of spend some time with a coach um, to, to just get more of the nitty-gritty stuff um just talk for an hour and you know you learn a lot in that time yeah i um you know i was sort of apprehensive to to do something like that as our like, oh, no one's gonna want to do it but it's been my most popular i guess if you want to call it a product my most popular product because people have all these questions like okay well you know so that they're happy to come in and i do like a 10-week training plan we sit down nut it all out and say you know like oh i didn't normally i would never recover or taper or so we're able to structure it and say like you know especially if you're coming back from injury or or maybe you're you're pretty sorted with your training plan one guy i spoke to um it was all around this one race this race strategy for an hour we went over you know as a marathon like how were we going to what are we going to do beforehand you know the day before or the couple days before the taper um, the nutritional strategy within the race, like the hydration, um, the the course profile, how to um, pace that. So all of that stuff, like you just need a, you know, you don't need an ongoing coach for that if you're very happy with your plan. Um, but then when it comes down to, yeah, some of that, that more specific information, it is great to really talk to someone. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think um, as athletes get up to a higher level, I think, um, that's when it gets more important to have like a, to directly work with a coach because there's so many different variables coming in, especially for, for professionals who are traveling all the time and racing so many times in the year. Um, that's when it, it gets really important to build like a really strong relationship with your coach. Um, so that way the coach has a really good understanding of how the athlete operates and um, the athlete understands how the coach kind of operates and over time, they can build this really good understanding that helps direct um, 
what needs to be done based on the information that we collect in every training session. Yeah, and that's like it's not going to work. That relationship doesn't work for everyone. Um, you know, people, I, I, I'm not going to be able to coach everyone who wants to do, you know, endurance sports in the world and neither are you. Um, and that's where I think those that level of coaching can be really hard um, because you it's you get this you, you start to get into the door of their life like it becomes um, especially like you heard the last week's podcast with Karen um, there was a whole bunch more going on there than just me telling him what to do yeah um, you know or just I was at his house when we did that that kind of that kind of thing um, it really takes. It can take a it can take a bit of a toll at times, I think, um, but yeah, that is you got to be ready for you got to be willing to open like to give quite a bit of information. Um, I think in that if if you're going to get an ongoing coach, you're going to spend that money um, and that investment. You got to give it like three to six months to really see some results. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, you know, if you're kind of just getting started in sport or you've been doing it for a long time and you kind of know what you're doing, sometimes just a small tweak can really make big improvements. But when athletes are at that higher level, it comes, it becomes that all-encompassing day-to-day, everything going on kind of thing. And um, just small adjustments, you know, it, it, it's going to take time to kind of see, see those changes because, um, you know, for a lot of them, they're already coming to us when they're already, like, really good. And we're just yeah. trying to make them improve like a couple percent, a percent or something like that. Um, you know, that it does become like everything. Um, everything that is, that's involved in life is important. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. And then, you know, below that uh, of more of a, I guess most coaches do the, the monthly kind of plan, you know, where you're, you're charged a, a certain fee per month and you meet monthly um i think for the majority of athletes out there that's really good that's a really good um feedback loop um you want to commit to someone that you trust if you're going to get a coach you've got to commit to someone that you trust and that and you're going to do sort of your best effort to get the to do the training plan and give good feedback and so then that's what that's what I sort of use you for, and I use my wife. Um, you know, she I, she was a professional athlete, um, still competes at a very high level, and has a PhD in sports science. So she's one who s- stands there and says, "Why are you going for a run? Like, you barely got out of bed this morning, and you're 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 lying on the couch all day, and now you're going to get up and try and, you know, that kind of thing." Um, and then just showing her my plan to say this is what I'm trying to do. Um, and you just have that more objective eye. Um, but then, yeah, for someone else getting into the sport, just once a month to go, hey, look, I didn't do anything. <laughs> or I wasn't able to, um, you know, complete these these really long efforts. Why is that? Um, and then you've got someone who wrote the plan for you, can review it and say, well, this month, what we're going to do is take this workout out and put this one in and uh that over like the course of a year will will dramatically improve or should improve your your outcomes yeah 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 with you know and i think that's totally like that just happens like people miss sessions and like some sessions are too hard and like sometimes we can't do the same session uh this many times or something like that and that's okay and that's totally something that happens and that that's where it's really good for the coach to kind of step in and look at why that might be happening. And then to, and really importantly, is to adjust the plan in the future so that way the athlete can stay consistent. Um, because consistency is super important for, um, for reaching their goals. Um, so if there's a coach setting up like a plan that the athlete's only able to kind of get in most of or some of, then it's really the coach's job to make the plan fit the athlete yeah and a lot of the time the athletes are going to think that it's their own fault um that uh you know i couldn't do it because i was tired or i didn't eat enough or i was um you know but 
coaches, uh, sorry, athletes need to ho- hold the coach accountable. Um, in, in some instances, uh, I've really yeah, been a part or seen it where it was my fault. You know, um, I didn't, uh, <laughs> yeah, classic, Kieran won't mind me saying this, but um, I really didn't I look at the percentage of his FTP that I was trying to get him to do. Um, and it resulted in him like doing his best ever power output for five minutes, uh, but being relatively disappointed in the session because I had, I had written, um, you know, I can't remember what percentage it was too high. I just hadn't, you know, and so he's, he said, you know, he's dead after that session, which is not what I wanted, but you know, so now we've got this disconnect where he, he held me, he, he's good like that, you know? He, he held me accountable but uh yeah you need to say like these sessions are too hard i just i can't do them um yeah that's, that's where that feedback comes from the athlete and it's just yeah. as important for the athlete to give the coach feedback uh as it is um for the coach to kind of take that feedback on and to yeah if you're using um so a lot of the times you know someone's going to use something like training peaks um the the online platform that I have with the members is Training Tilt. Um, it's whatever you're using. Today's plan is one. Um, they, you can even use Zwift and stuff. Strava. Um, they're going to provide a, a calendar that has your workout, and then it has your um, uh, area for comments, um, coaches' comments, and athlete comments. And if you're able to fill that in the majority of time. Then when it comes to your review, if you're doing it monthly or if you're doing it 10 weekly or whatever, the coach is going to be able to, or you're going to be able to print it out, read through and say, look, every single Wednesday, you took the day off. Like you couldn't do that session. So now we need to recreate that. Um, We need to make sure that's a rest day. Like, you know, every single time you you, you tried to run too hard at the start of, all of these intervals and ended up not being able to complete them. This is a reoccurring theme. And that's where, that's what I look for is those reoccurring themes. Um, sometimes I, you know, I'm just like, you don't need to write a, a huge novel. Sometimes you can just be like four words, one word, good, bad. I hate you. Yeah. Like oh, I <laughs> when love I start you. seeing, um, seeing reoccurring negative words, bad, tired, incomplete, you, you know, like that kind of theme, you, you know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that, like, so these programs, these software programs, I'm not sure if we talked about this before in another podcast, but they give you so many metrics, and, like, it's going to spit out these graphs and that based on, like, how hard you went for the last 42 days or something like that. And, uh, like, it doesn't, like, those graphs don't see how you actually, like, how you actually feel. Like, they don't see those comments, and that's where, like, I really love those comments because you can look at a trending graph, and it might, you know, I take them with a grain of salt, but, you know, on paper, it the training plan might look like it should be working perfectly, and the data might look spot on, but then you start seeing comments, like, where maybe it looks like motivation's dropping, or it looks like, uh, you know, the workout was actually uh, mentally harder than... Uh, it looked like with the power output or heart rate. Um, and you, those software systems don't recognize that. And that's where the coach needs to adjust things on the fly. Yeah, that's where, uh, you know, if we're, we'll just use training peaks um, because that's one we, we both u- utilize. Um, uh, Strava does it as well. But they have these fitness fatigue curves, um, freshness. And they must be, I don't, how you can stop training for five days and lose like 20% of your overall fitness, but then be, um, you know, as fresh as a daisy, I'm not sure. Like if I was, there's nothing that I can input there to say that I was sick, right? We talked about this, like, because we've, we have questions, like we talk to each other when we have athletes going through different things and we talk about fitness doesn't work like that. (laughs) <laughs> like you just don't lose all your fitness just because a graph says so or because you missed a couple of days. It yeah. That's just that's not how fitness works. Yeah, so if I'm um if I'm using that training peaks um like fitness freshness um fatigue curve, 
I'm more, what I like to utilize it for is the training loads. So acute versus chronic training loads. And as a retrospectively to look back and see when athletes broke down, you know, we're like, oh, it's, I thought we had it really well put together. Let's have a look. Oh, wow. Actually, now that I look at it, these couple sessions are a lot harder than I thought. And the acute load was too close together. Um, you know, so maybe because it, it's also hard. This is another thing um, that Monday is not a new day. You, you know, Monday doesn't it just there's not like this barrier midnight Sunday where you now become a completely fresh athlete. Um, and training peaks is, and most calendars are set out Monday to Sunday. So then you're looking at it and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't realize I've only allowed two days rest. Um, because Tuesday or Wednesday seems like a really, really far away from Sunday. It's like halfway down the, the calendar, whereas Sunday's right at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, like in our lives, we operate on a seven day a week kind of thing, but, um, our bodies are constantly like we're constantly <laughs> exercising like something's always changing not like uh just every seven days um, yeah do you try any different um timed approaches like are you looking monday through sunday when you're coaching um i find that like with mountain bikers it works good to go for a monday through sunday because Generally, when you're going out for a mountain bike ride, your best time to do, like, because it takes more time to kind of get ready, they have more time to do more mountain biking on weekends. So if you're yeah. doing that two days in a row, like, and especially because there's a skill component, we need them to kind of be fresh for those weekends. So yeah. we, we, we don't want to be super tired heading into the weekend uh, when they're going to get the chance to work on their skills and maybe do a big day, and it's going to take more time. So I tend to... Um, when someone has more social kind of riding going on or only can ride on the weekend, I try to do like a seven day a week thing. But um, if someone's more training on the road uh, or training for cross country, that I, I can do different kind of blocks. Yeah. So make them last uh, for eight days or 10 days or something like that. Yeah. Ah, yep. So wh yeah. How, do, how do you approach that? Um, well, like if it's for the majority of people, um, you know, if I'm, if someone's just purchasing a, a, a ready-made training plan or, or using one in the platform, they're all Monday through Sunday, um, because that's what, how people live. Um, yep. and it makes, it makes it easier. Um, well, that's how we live. You know, we have a podcast every <laughs> Wednesday, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's not until, and for, for most kind of, um, even the, the pros, like, for a majority of like the general kind of training, like when they're in base phase or like a reoccurring phase, it's it's pretty much Monday through Sunday. But once we start getting closer to the racing, I start to work backwards, and I completely disregard days, like the the title of the day, and I'm just looking at um, rest periods. You know, so like we're not doing anything ridiculously hard or long within five days of a race. So you count back five days, whether that's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whatever. Now you don't want to do anything the day before that either. So we're going to have a couple of days before the big race. Now you've got to incorporate travel. So all, you know, maybe that month, three weeks leading in is like, I don't really care what the day is. Um, I care how well you're going to be able to rest, recover and like, and, and get to the event. Yeah, that's exactly how I do it. And because there's a structure that kind of works, especially for goal events. And uh, we don't, we don't want to mess with that too much. And just because it's a Sunday and you normally do like a big group ride on a Sunday, well, you got your big event coming up in like <laughs> seven days or eight days. Like we're not just going to have you go do a massive ride and, uh, or, or whatever, just because you always do. So it's important with those goal events to work backwards. And um, yeah, then it, yeah, you know, whatever day that the falls on for the best kind of structure. That's what we do. Yeah. 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 And, um, for some, some of the, the training plans of, of written for like specific events, like even just purchase, you know, just ready made training plans. I've tried to look, um, like I did for Red Bull Defiance and Ironman New Zealand, like I've inputted, uh, the holidays. I try and incorporate those for, for bigger weekends and things. 
um, yeah, just for that kind of, you know. Yeah, it's important to have, like, because sometimes on a holiday, that's when you have more time, right? So if we know, like, uh, Easter's coming up, right? So we know that most people are probably going to have a couple days off, but then there's going to be, like, maybe on the Sunday, they're super busy with family things. So if you're building a training plan that kind of is definitely going to fall on those days, you can work them in and make the most of it. Yeah, and but with those with um, ready-made training plans, I think people need to uh, they need to understand what they're getting as well. You know, it is it is not designed specifically for an any particular individual. It's designed around um, generally like when I'm writing one, I'm thinking of an individual that trains and races for a particular kind of time goal. You know, and they sort of meet um, some kind of criteria. You know, like if we're we're thinking about a four-hour marathon runner, you know that they're going to be running at least three days a week, kind of thing. So I'm thinking like this is all right. So they're probably they probably fit tick these boxes. Like I guess you're just stereotyping athletes. Um, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that. I think like that's just like when I. Th- build a plan for mountain bikers um i'm trying to really hold them back because what mountain bikers do is they just go way too hard all the time so that's yeah what i, I, have in I incorporate the the heart rate stuff um and into mine as well um which yeah so but anyway going to like what you should expect and sort of different levels of training like if you're just getting a training plan let's say you're just paying uh you know i've seen some around i've seen some free ones and i've seen some atrocious free yeah. training plans yeah um look in the first instance i'd say just don't just don't even bother with a free training plan um then you got your next level up which is i've seen them around 20 us dollars like a very nominal kind of amounts um some of those are reasonably good but the level of information you're going to get on them isn't isn't amazing um and then you go uh next level up and you're going to be anywhere from 50 to 100 US dollars um, and I'd say that's probably what you should be purchasing um, that generally from what I've seen um, I've done you know a bit of market research purchased some myself it's like these are really good you know these provide good amount of information um, they provide a good opportunity for flexibility which you should always incorporate that you know if something says Tuesday but you can't do your workout on Tuesday then move it to Wednesday um, and often if you're paying that amount, the, um, you know, the coach or the person who's produced it is very willing to jump in and, and move something around for you or answer a few questions. I know I am definitely, I get these questions. Hey, look, is this fine to do? You know, I have, I work nights, I have Mondays off, whatever. Um, is that what your kind of experience has been? Cause I know yours are, yours are around that hundred, hundred plus. Yeah. Yeah. I try like. You know, like a 12-week plan um, is, I think, something like $100. Um, but, yeah, I like what I find is most of the people that are buying, like, a training plan, they're just going on to Training Peaks. They're not talking to me. They just buy it, and then they do it themselves. But what I, like, I really like when they contact me and, like, see if there's any changes that need to be made or something like that. So within it, like, Training Peaks doesn't really make it super uh, easy for, the, the athlete buying the training plan to contact the coach. There's no yep. like really direct connection there. Um, so what I, I just give my email at the bottom and you know if you have any questions, just contact me via email. you know like I want this to work for you. like I don't want you to just um, you know buy it and like maybe not do everything or like maybe like it's just not going to work for you. maybe you need to start it a week later or something like that like, just ask me, you know, and we'll make it work for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I've found found the same, and that's why, like, that's why this new, like, my, my training platform has all of that incorporated into it. You um, you get the training plan, and then there's still a, a very open means of communication within the platform and also on, like, the, our, our members' Facebook page where, so you're not being left, um, and that's what, you know, that's why I'm saying, you need to understand you get what you pay for. If you don't pay anything, no one's going to reply to your email. Yeah. You know, uh, and then if you're only paying twenty bucks, 
there's probably a thousand or more people that have bought that plan. They're not going to potentially even remember what it is if you if you are able to contact them. Um, so, so yeah, that's that would be just a, a few sort of things to look at when you're if you are just purchasing a plan. Yeah, yeah, and people need to bear in mind like we want it to hundred percent help them. When no matter what level we're working with an athlete, we definitely want them to improve. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that goes for a twenty dollar plan or or whatever. Like we do everything we can at that level to make it work for the athletes that are using it. Yeah, and in in general, coaches, uh, that is their their main passion and goal is to help you as an athlete at whatever level um, progress. So that feedback uh, loop is really important. Like there are no stupid questions. There's because you know you may think, oh, I don't, I don't know if, if that's a dumb question. Your coach should probably have heard it a thousand times and is very willing to, to help you out. So you got to make sure um, you, you know, you contact them and um, and get the advice because otherwise, what can happen is you you're in a um, you know you can be in a negative relationship like training wise or you know your program might not be working for you your coach has no idea and he or she is just the next time you review and you go oh yeah it was all right like not wanting to put them down or something now you're just getting more of the same and you then you know have had a bad experience yeah wasn't, uh, which we don't through. we don't want to give a bad experience to anyone um I recently wrote a post over on mtbphd.com about how, um, you know, coaching is like one of my absolute passions. Like, I love it. I didn't see myself coming out of university and being a coach, but I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed helping athletes. And, you know, I, I just love to, went, like, helping an athlete build a plan and then seeing it work for them. Um, so, yeah, like, we want it to work for sure. Yeah, that's how people have come into this uh, this profession as well. So, so yeah, just um, be be very willing to, to post up questions and and uh, you'll generally get a get a response. There's obviously like uh, within reason. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're if you've only if you only purchased a uh, ready made training plan, you can't expect to get a one on one dealio. Uh, no, but, and that's uh, that's why like as coaches we need to that's why we need to set different levels um so like you know there's one level you know that i have where it's unlimited contact where an athlete can contact me at any time we can talk about anything anytime day or night um and you know that's very different than someone buying a a three-week plan um so i i need to protect the value for the athletes buying the training uh the coaching services at the very highest level and um you know it's not like I'm because I'm trying to be mean. It's just because you know I only have so much time, and I want to provide the best value I can for every athlete at every level that I'm working with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. So, I mean, yeah. When we've we've talked about about coaching, I think I don't know. I think this might be <laughs> might or might not be be helpful for a, for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, what what are some of your like main main takeaways from if you're going to get a coach what are the do's and don'ts do's and don'ts um well i'll tell you one of my uh previous don'ts and one of my previous don'ts was i said i wouldn't work with junior athletes um, because i I just didn't want to burn them out right yeah Um, but then the more i got involved in it um the more i saw junior athletes um getting poor advice from a coach and they end, would end up burning out or something like that. Um, so I changed my attitude, and you know I take on junior athletes, and I just with the goal of making sure they stay in the sport and continue to improve. I want them to have fun, um, as opposed to kind of you know getting really good really quickly and then you know quitting. Um, but in terms of do's and don'ts um, for someone looking for a coach. Um, why don't you start it off while I think about it? <laughs> um, probably would be to first off do do some research, see what what other people have have thought have 
thought about um, and look at what you need. Like there's a whole bunch of different coaching styles and philosophies out there. There are going to be coaching groups, which a lot of it is group-based um, training sessions. So whether you're a triathlete, runner, whatever, that a lot of what they do is going to be more around your program is set out so that you are attending a lot of the, you know, let's just the Tuesday group run, the Thursday track intervals, and the, the Saturday long ride, and then the Sunday open water swim. So, you know, there's there's that kind of thing. And if you're not in the same region as, as that coach or um, you're not, you know you're not able to attend a lot of it, if that's a lot of what the value is in the coaching plan and you're not going to get that, then you're not going to get the most out of that um, kind of situation. Then, uh, yeah, and, and ask what your, your friends or whoever, try and at least get some information on, on what it is um, that you're you're going to be purchasing, um, and what the minimum requirements are, and how much time you have available, uh, those kind of things before you enter into something, because otherwise it's it could be a bit um, overwhelming, um, or you could find yourself like quite out of uh, value, like oh, this isn't really I haven't had any feedback. You know, what is the feedback protocol here? Am I getting it once a week? Am I getting it every day? Um, am I getting it once a month? Um, will I get to sit down or is it all on the phone? Is it all internet based? Um, I have no idea how to use this training peaks thing. Is that incorporated? Can I get a PDF plan? Um, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, people have come to me and I've had no idea that um, these were going to be sort of topics or issues um, like. You know, I'm very technologically savvy. Like I use, I incorporate technology into everything. And someone wanted just an Excel spreadsheet. And uh, for me, like, uh, it was just merely putting together a plan. That took so much time because I'd never done it before. Um, and I really should have said, look, that's not what I do um, rather than than that. And uh, so that's, that's in terms of finding a coach. And then... Um, and then within it is the feedback. You've got to give feedback. Um, whether positive, negative, like whether you're able to complete something and complete it, um, just just give just give feedback. Uh, yeah. And it will be, um, it doesn't have to be in person if that you find that a bit awkward. If you say, look, this isn't working for me or um, everyone's going to be very understandable. Like the professional coaches whose job it is to, to coach athletes, They've been through that a million times. Athletes have come and gone. It hasn't worked for them. Athletes have switched to another coach. Like that happens. It's completely fine. Um, no one's really going to hold anything like that against you. Yeah, I, th I would definitely second the feedback. You've thought about it. Yeah, it's you know it comes down to feedback really, um, and feedback is just going to be number one at every single level. Um, you know, you just need to get on the same page uh, as your coach, um, and that goes along with relationship building so you know at the more you're working with a coach the more you're giving feedback the stronger you can build that relationship and build that understanding to help get to the next level so that feed it all starts with that feedback and it you know at the very basic level you know uploading your training files um, and beyond that like leaving comments um, and telling that giving that negative feedback um, because we you sometimes it's hard to get like a negative feedback because people would be worried about maybe offending the coach, but we have tough skin, you know? Yeah. And it's something I've found very, very hard. And we spoke about like, it'd be really nice to have an exit interview um, with, but being individual business owners, it's hard to sit down and say, look, can you tell me what I don't do so well? Like personally, I don't want to hear it face to face. It's going to hurt. Um, like I know I'll, I'll absorb it and move on, but it's uh, that is a it's a challenging. You know, we don't we don't run these large gym corporations um, where you can have you know independent people come in and run surveys and uh, all of that kind of you know feedback loop in terms of our um, stuff. So if you can hint or uh, pick up on on different things that we do, then then that would be that would be helpful yeah yeah and we you know we need it 
we need that feedback, um, that negative and positive, and we'll try not to be sad, right? <laughs> well, part of it, when, when I got um, from, you know, some people are very willing to give feedback, which I really appreciate, was uh, that some of my stuff was too in, um, over the top, or not over the top. Like, we speak at a certain level in terms of like, oh, this training zone, and just use your aerobic heart rate zone. Like, people didn't even know, or not didn't even know, people don't know what that is. Like, I just took it for granted. And some of the language I was using was, um, I guess, too, I guess, in, intensive, or is that a set at probably a higher level than those that were um, purchasing my training plan. So, so that. And the inconsistencies. Like, how many inconsistencies do you have in what you call a, a general, aerobic, easy, steady ride? Well, you just gave me a bunch of words there. Um, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I use all of those interchangeably. Um, that was one of the feedbacks I got. Uh, was like, what? What do they all mean? I was like, oh, they're all the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. Like, especially if someone's going to follow it without talking to you, it needs to be really easy to understand. Um, yeah, very so consistent. Like, when I'm, um, it was you know someone I was working with, like on it on the regular. Um, basis and because I'm doing the training sometimes you know op you know changing it on a daily basis like oh they're sick oh we'll just do this general ride you know I've just put that in I've had to change it on the fly so I haven't had the time to look at what I called it last week <laughs> yeah 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 that's all right they they don't they don't get too upset um with those kind of things they <laughs> <laughs> the athletes um, all right. So yeah, what what else? Is there anything else you'd like to like to cover in terms of coaching? No, I I would just say just get started, like just try something, um, at any level and just see what you think about it. You yeah, know? and I think um, look, people have have said that it's quite expensive. You know, um, if you're looking at the general range of of training of like an ongoing coaching probably looking at around two hundred dollars a month i'd say would be the would be the ongoing average uh around fifty dollars a week um that is in my opinion like if you're gonna say want to do um, a large event that you really want to complete at your best um condition i'd recommend getting coaching for six months um up i'd, I'd probably recommend more like a year like, but six months would be the minimum, um, and so for for six months, that's uh, what twelve hundred bucks, um, is it? Yep. Uh, in terms of what an event could cost, especially if it's like a very large, like half Ironman or one of these really, or a championship, national championship or something, um, and it's costing you four hundred dollars or so to to enter it, um, I think getting appropriate uh, feedback in the six months leading in. Is gonna, you know, be worth its weight in gold um, compared to you just sort of, uh, you know, second guessing yourself every step along the way. Yeah, I, it's like uh, just guess guessing along the way, like, um, just that peace of mind based on the amount of time you spend doing the training. You know, if this event is like your dream to just you think about it every morning when you wake up and every you know before you go to bed you're thinking about it at work and you're like searching the internet looking at like ways to get better like just doing a it's just a small investment really on something that you you're probably really passionate about yeah yeah no i would uh i'd totally totally agree it can um just in the first instance just avoid so many mistakes um and and that would be good and the other one is to make sure if you are paying that you are getting feedback, because um, yeah, there can be there can be people, um, you know, athletes out out there that aren't getting the feedback, um, and whether that's a two way street or a one way street with athletes giving it but not getting it, um, that can be. Make sure you are getting feedback. Yeah, definitely. I I've heard like horror stories about you know coaches not updating the the um, calendars, the training calendars. And, um, you know, then the athletes contacting the coach and the coach doesn't get back to them. 
and they've already paid for the month. Like there's some horror stories out there, but um, and if that's if you're in one of those nightmare uh, coaching relationships, get out and uh, get get a relationship with your coach that works. Yeah, and this is okay. I'll just have a bit of a rant about my pet peeve of um, our like coaching, endurance coaching, whatever strength train, like strength training more so um, is regulated, but it's a completely unregulated industry. So there's no um, there's no direct point like minimum standard. There's uh, I guess accreditations, but an accreditation gives you a minimum knowledge level um, of of how to put together a training plan, but that doesn't mean that they are, you know, able to complete your training plan on time every single week and offer you feedback. Um, at, you know, at uh, if someone's charging a hundred or two hundred dollars a month in order to make a, a sustainable living from that, that's going to require probably around forty or fifty athletes. Um, so again, you're going to get what you pay for in terms of your level of feedback. If someone's trying to navigate 40 to 50 athletes, um, of which you're one, uh, then, then that's going to be, there's going to be a bit of a, a challenge in itself. Um, but yeah, and so that's where make sure you ask your friends and, and, uh, or family members or someone who's had experience, uh, reasonable duration of experience and say, Look, this guy or girl is really good. I'm able to see them once a week. There's, they always do training sessions. They have, um, you know, a Facebook group where they're very active on. All of that kind of stuff is going to be far better than if you, you know, are just entering because you've seen this professional athlete that this one coach coaches, and uh, they use that as their revenue driver. Um, you know, ask around. Just what what is this person like? Oh, I've I've been coaching them. I've never even seen them. <laughs> mm. Uh, that's that's gonna help. But yeah, you're right. I've heard some horror stories as well. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we yeah. The, the part of the problem is that it's unregulated, and you know, your car mechanics. That's gonna be a regulated industry, and they really they definitely need to be certified. But someone giving advice for exercise that costs you know a good chunk of money, like that's uh, they don't need to actually know anything. Um, you know, they might have been a good athlete themselves, or um, but you know, the unregulation in the industry is something that really bothers me, um, because then you're relying, you are only relying on advice from other people um, based on whether their coaching service is good or not. Um, so. Yeah, and at the at the junior level, I've seen some some very inappropriate uh, applications of of training, um, because. When you, I guess when you get taught in some of these, I've had to do some of these level one and two courses um, in order to be attached to um, certain governing bodies. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good basic advice, um, but it doesn't differentiate between uh, a kid who's potentially play, playing soccer, training two times a week, um, and amongst, so one of the, the issues I had around like trying to coach uh, junior athletes, you know, let's say age of 13 through 17 or 18, school age, high school age kids, um, was they getting thrashed at every single corner? Um, you have sporting, um, you know, school sports stuff, into school sports. You have, um, you know, the the sporting academies that the good kids are in. You have the um, PE class and you have, you know, certain levels of like qualification, like school credit qualifications that have sporting achievement or like in, um, endeavors or levels attached to them and these kids are getting thrashed continuously and then the the coach is coming in going well they're, they're a child they, they can't do large volume so I'll thrash them and uh, and you've seen it you know they, they can they can improve and they can absorb it because they have nothing else on their life and going on in terms of like money or work or anything but uh it doesn't last long no no yeah good feedback thank you yeah thanks yeah. There, matt. yeah right on <laughs> uh matt all right well i think we've, we've sort of ranted about coaching uh long enough for for this week's episode um so what's on for you this weekend just as a general sign off yeah this weekend well today um you know the oceania championships are on for the cross country 
So I'll be watching that closely. They should be racing soon. Um, and Is that then, Caleb and the under-19s? Yep, yep. So we have uh, some under-19 racers. We're looking forward to see that. Um, and then this weekend, I'm going to continue testing on the brake power meter and um, get out for some rides myself and without data because um, sometimes it's nice to ride without some, some data since I ride with data all the time. So, yeah, and hopefully some hiking. Cool. How about you? Well, that sounds like fun. Um, yeah, I've got the the half marathon in Tauranga on Sunday. Um, trying to, yeah, try and smash out another really good event race there. Um, otherwise, just training, building building um, more more content for the website and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Should be fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, Matt, until next Wednesday at uh, around 9 a.m. See you I'll, then. Uh, see you then.